Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Hello, podcast family, and welcome back to another episode of the Back Pain Podcast. Now, today's episode is the third installment of our mini-series, What We Would Like Everyone to Know About Back Pain. And today's episode features Adam Dobson, a specialist physiotherapist from South Tees. Now, he walks us through the five things that he would expect you to receive from a quality physiotherapy consultation, where he gives us what he would expect to happen in any consultation for back pain from the moment you walk through the door and throughout the consultation. Now, of course, these are ideals, and it's not to say if something that we mentioned hasn't been included in your particular consult that it was necessarily a bad one, but this is what we would do or what we would include in a perfect world. However, this advice goes beyond physiotherapy and even transcends beyond back pain. These key messages will be the same whoever you are seeing for back pain, be that a physiotherapist, a chiropractor, an osteopath, a GP, a massage therapist, a sports therapist, the list goes on and on. And also for any different body part, we speak a lot about back pain, but these messages could be the same for hip pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, and so on and so forth. So there is plenty to take away in this episode to learn from and discuss with your clinician at your next appointment to ensure you get the most out of it. In other news, if you're listening to us, then chances are you probably are suffering from or know someone that's suffering from back pain. Now, have you seen our website? On our website, we have a brand new provider map. Now, the provider map is a map made by us with a list of all the local people who are tried and tested again by us to make sure that you can see someone for your back pain. Now, all you have to do is head on over to our website, www.thebackpainpodcast.com, pop in your postcode, and you'll be provided with a list of people who are tried and tested local to you to ensure that you get the very best care for your back pain. And lastly, before we head on into the episode, have you followed us on social media? Check us out on at the back pain podcast on Instagram and Facebook or at the back pain pod on Twitter. Obviously, the full title wasn't available there, but head on over. Please give us a follow. We post a lot of good information on there. Give us a follow. And if you aren't already, I don't know why you wouldn't be. Please hit the subscribe button to this podcast. If you're listening right now, open up your phone or open up your phone and hit subscribe. It means the absolute world to us. And we see these subscribers numbers going up all the time. And it really, really means a lot. So thank you, everyone who subscribed. Thank you, everyone to lis- who listens to these episodes on a regular basis. But for now, I'll leave you to sit back and enjoy the latest episode with Adam Dobson. And welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. Delighted to be joined by Adam Dobson for the second time. Welcome back to the podcast, Adam. Hello, Rob. Nice to have me again. Good to be here. No worries. Thanks for taking the time. So today we are talking, as you heard from the intro, about what you can expect from a good physiotherapy consultation. Now, as we've kind of alluded to off air, this is a good chiropractic consultation. This is a good osteopathy consultation and also not just back pain. This is what you should expect when you're seeing someone for any injury, whether that's your shoulder, hip, knee, elbow, headache, whatever it might be, the basic tenets of, you know, what you can expect from a good consultation should spread out across all of them. All of, I said all of these things really, I guess, shouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that there's a lot of kind of broad discussions that we can have um, that that uh, they're kind of helpful across the body for sure. So let's jump right in. What can people expect when they go and see, if I say physiotherapist, because you're obviously a physiotherapist, what can people expect f- 
to get from a good consultation for their back pain? Yeah, so before we start, I'd just like to kind of caveat a few things, Rob, if, that, if that's okay. Yeah, feel, so, feel free. So th- this is the ideal, I think. This is maybe my ideal, um, and um, but it might not be the exacting thing that everyone would w- get. You know, when we don't live in an ideal world, you know, time constraints, different people communicate in different ways and people have different values, don't they? People value different things. So this would just be, you know, kind of some kind of musings um, that, that I think make up a, a good consultation and, and, and a constructive com- conversation, I think. Indeed, encounter. Okay, so I'll yeah. split into five five points. So number one, start with number one, is the ability to tell your story. Okay, so you, you've done your research, you've found your clinician, you've arrived at the clinic, you sat comfortably, well, hopefully you're comfortably. Um, in a quiet, how much pain you're in. <laughs> yeah, depending on how much pain you're in. In a quiet room, friendly space, you know, where, where would we go from there? So the discussion, hopefully, initially, should be open-ended. Um, the clinician should invite you to tell your story. Okay, the story could start anywhere. Uh, it could start at the beginning chronologically, or maybe it could start, you know, with with what your problem is. Um, so, um, if it's a persistent problem or if it's a new problem, that will kind of dictate where you want to start. Um, we'd need to have an understanding um, of what's important to you, um, what problems you're having, uh, what you've been told about your body. Uh, and and what that means to you. We would eventually start to explore things like the burden of the problem. So this is the kind of free-flowing side of the the conversation. You know, what what burden has this had on your work, your family, your function, your hobbies? Um, How does it, what's it make you thinking about your body? How does it make you feel? Um, What previous support have you been offered before? And how are you currently managing your problem? Okay, so a good clinician should be a good listener. Um, we hear all the time that uh, clinicians jump in pretty quickly, don't they, into the conversation. So we should create a space that that you can feel that you can get everything out that you want to get out. You should feel listened to. We should listen to to um, we should listen to understand, not just respond, as they say. So we're building up a picture of what matters to you. Um, and that might link to treatment and outcomes uh, in, in kind of further parts of the, the kind of conversation and the encounter. So building on from that, there may also be a conventional side to the conversation. The clinician might ask what symptoms you have, where you hurt, how often you hurt, uh, what, what things make it feel better, what make things make it feel good. We might ask about sleep quality, uh, how it's feeling throughout the day. Um, we might also ask about your general health, your medical history, medicines. There might also be very specific questions that initially sound a bit odd. Um, and it might be that we offer a preamble to that to kind of explain why we're asking these quite weird or sometimes quite sensitive questions, Rob, uh, about your sexual function, maybe, or, or your, your bladder and your, your bowel function. So these things, so we've got that kind of tailored conversation. Um, your fears and worries and concerns and the effect of the problem. But then we also have this more traditional side to, to the, the history taking uh, that people are a bit more used to, aren't they? I want you to know where it is. I want you yeah. to know how it's behaving. Of course we do. Um, but we, so we want to recap all these things. And that tells us things about the nature 
of your problem. Uh, and sometimes it might allude to the diagnosis, if, if, if we're going to use that word in some cases. Um, it's also going to let us know what isn't going on with your problem, which is going to move to the kind of recap of number three. Yeah, I think that's really important as well, because people probably expect all the questions about where does it hurt? When does it hurt? What does it feel like? Rated out of 10, you yeah. know, and when you think of a consultation, those are typically what people will associate with a back pain consultation or any consultation, probably from speaking to GPs, from watching television programs where people have seen, you know, medical professionals and, you know, those consultations might be very different. Whereas what we're alluding to here is that you mentioned the word burdens. How is this pain affecting you? And those type of questions. And that shows that the person you're speaking to, you know, cares deeply about how this is affecting your life. And then that can then tailor into your, as you're probably, I'm sure, going to allude to later, kind of, you know, different treatment options and outcome measures and rehabilitation goals, you know, depending on what what the problem is and how it's affecting you. You know, if your problem is, my main problem is, you know, I can't kneel down on the floor to clean the kitchen is one thing compared to I can't run a marathon. They're very different problems, you know, and they'll, they'll have, you know, different approaches with that patient. So kind of understanding that, you know, burden to the patient and how it's affecting them really shows that someone is really listening and wants to, you know, care about you, I guess. Yeah. I think that the, we want to understand that level of suffering, don't we? Um, we want to understand uh, someone's emotional, um, Kind of where they are emotionally, I guess, and and mm. uh, and and also like the secondary burden, so the secondary experience, the satelliting things around a person's problem that might also give us an idea of other kind of biological processes or or, or other things that might be modifiable uh, when we when we get to the kind of treatment side. So um, so yeah, and I, but I think a lot of those things patients often give it them you. It, they might seem unusual or it might be why is he asking what I think about my body? You know, you know, you're, I'm here for you to tell me and yeah. he's asking me what I think about my body, but, but we need to know what your perspective is. We need to kind that. of get under the hood, don't we? I love that question. It's something which I've tried to incorporate a lot recently through speaking to people like you and speaking to other people on the podcast is the question of what do you think is the problem? And what do you think is, you know, how's this problem affecting you? What do you think is the, is, the, is, is the key issue here? And it really, it taps into a different angle of what a, a patient's or the you know, sufferer's understanding of that problem is. Um, you know, because if they, you know, have a lot of fear around, I think it's crumbling, I think my back pain's, you know, it's a sign that I've got something seriously wrong or, you know, or I'm worried I've got something really nasty going on in my back. They might not have brought that out before when you've had that conversation. So having a, a secondary angle into that questioning, yeah, is is very useful. Yeah. Comprehensive, but also pretty tailored as mm. well, I think. Yeah. Shows you care. Brilliant. Perfect. And and should we move on to point, point what was point number two? You said you had five five points of the key, yeah, the key conversation. So, uh point two is around goals and expectations. Okay. So um the clinician will usually uh ask what you want to come away with understanding. Um what is your expectation of treatment? Um you might want to ask how long are things going to last? You know, so it, the, these are really important questions that that often I think we don't initially think about asking as a as a patient. We don't come in with these ideas that we may need to. You know, how long is the problem going to last? Kind of thing. Uh, as a patient, it might be useful to run a hypothetical. So, 
Um, what would you be doing differently if you didn't have the problem? Or maybe how has the problem lessened your life? So we know that pain impacts social lives. We know that it impacts mood, sleep and activity. So in this way, we can start to form goals around um, not just lessening pain, but moving you toward your values and things that give you meaning in your life. Um, so we want to be on the same page, don't we? So if, if you have an expectation of a hands-on treatment, um, but you have a persistent problem, then it might not be that the, the management is going to match up with your expectation. Um, so and it, and it will not lead to the outcome that you necessarily want to be at. So, so if we're kind of coming from two different angles, then we're not going to meet in the middle. You're going to go away dissatisfied and we're going to be a little bit frustrated and, and feeling a little bit useless. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think explaining your expectations is so important. And because, yeah, and if we're not asking this as, as therapists and if we're not getting this, I mean, because this is our responsibility to get this out of a consultation. It's not a patient's responsibility to have to tell us. It's our responsibility as clinicians to, to draw this out of people with good questions. But if we are not, as you said, matching those expectations, people leave unhappy. And we know one of the biggest reasons to adherence to exercises and adherence to lifestyle advice is, uh, you know, a good rapport with your clinician. And if you're developing that good rapport and you're on the same page, Whereas if you're, as a patient, going to see someone expecting to be have a massage and that's going to help your, you know, get rid of your 10 years of lower back pain in one session and the therapist sat on the other side of the desk thinking, you know, this is there for 10 years, there's lots of other factors which are kind of confounding this back pain and making it worse, you know, and then you then give them some advice and send them on their way, then immediately you're kind of at odds, aren't you? And then, you know, that yeah. adherence to, for example, that rehab program might not be as good because those expectations aren't as met, aren't as well met. It might be that those things are, are born out of previous conversations. You know, we're, we're, we're told many things about our bodies and we might have seen a, a, a number of different people and we've been told, you know, your hip's out of place and it needs to be put back in place. Um, that might not be biologically that plausible, but we kind of, that becomes a little bit of our understanding of our body and we take it on naturally as human beings to... Uh, to new encounters and then we we pass that on it's like well i have been told therefore i think it needs to be put back in place um, and that might not be compatible with the reality of what is truly going to help your problem and it's important not to diminish that as well because you know yeah. as, as i've said a lot you know when someone has a belief about something for a long time and you know they've, they've you know this has always helped them whatever that particular treatment is and they've been having it for 30 years it'd be very important to then not diminish that because if they have a positive experience with something that's beneficial to them to then completely flip, turn that on its head on the first minute of a consultation is never going to also help, help long-term really, isn't it? So it's that meeting yeah. the patient in the middle as well, element of that. Yeah. I think that the conversations as a patient, the conversation should be sufficiently challenging that, that we're getting you to think differently, but they shouldn't make you feel uncomfortable. And yep. uh, and it may be that that we kind of park something and we come back to it. Okay, things don't have to make complete sense straight away. Um, and uh, and as you develop your relationship and the rapport with a clinician, uh, it may be that we can have deeper conversations and and we can maybe be a little bit more upfront about things as they become demystified. Perfect, love that. 
Right. What was number three? What was the next the next point on our, on uh, our number three list? is a tailored exam. So uh, so physical examination. So in reality, uh, we've gained a lot of information from the the history. Uh, about 80, 90 percent uh, of all the information that we need is from a good history, from a good discussion, a good exploration of all these things in, in point one and two. OK, that might lead to us then kind of tailoring our examination. So I'll just kind of talk generally uh, today. So the first thing I would say is there should be an examination of your body parts specifically. OK, so if, if you're going with back pain and they don't observe your back or they don't palpate or attend to your back and ask you about where your problem hurts, I'd probably have a little bit of a concern with that. Okay. It doesn't always mean that we need to think about individual tissues all the time, but but we do need to possibly have people undressed. We want to be looking at that body part. We want to look at the skin and we probably want to be testing it physically on, on some level. Okay. Um, the next part that we probably should be doing is some kind of movement examination. Okay. Some kind of examination of your movement capabilities or functions. I like to call these movement experiments. Okay. So we might have an exploration of how you're sitting, how you're standing, how you're bending when, when it comes to back pain, of course, um, how you're holding your body, uh, but crucially how you feel about that. And, uh, and not just in terms of sensation, but how does it make you feel emotionally? And is that making you scared? Is it making you worried? Would you prefer to avoid that? So I would direct people to your, uh, a bit of a plug here, Rob, to your, your recent um, chat on kind of uh, fear avoidance and uh, movement exposure, which is a two good... Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, there you go. So we're, we're linking all these things together, so I don't need to <laughs> talk about that. Um, that all these things are quite useful because they are also become part of the treatment as well. So that there often is a bit of a, a blurring with a good consultation with what is a treatment and what is an examination. There may also be some specific tests that rely specifically to specific tissue. Okay, so it's not just the what of why you're hurting, but it's the why as well. Okay, so. Uh, they may test your nerves, they may examine your muscle function, um, and usually a good clinician will talk you through all of these tests and kind of explain why they're doing what they're doing. <clears throat> I think that's a really good, that final point is so so vital because everyone's been in a consultation at some point when they would have seen a doctor, seen a GP, and they're having tests done on them, and they're always kind of thinking, what does that mean? All oh, that hurts. Is that good? Is that bad? Is that a good sign? Is that a bad sign? All of those. So explaining those tests and explaining those findings as you're going along. So this means that your nerves are functioning well, or the fact you can feel that is good, or vice versa. So explaining those findings as you go along, I think, is really important. Yeah, 100%. Uh, number four, then is I, I couldn't think of any imaginative term for number four. So I've just called it <laughs> recap. It's just a recap, okay, a summary. So this is where we kind of go back over um, the history, the examination, all that information that we we understand based on my understanding as, as a professional, uh, but also your lived experience of your problem. We're going to combine that all information together and we're going to try and recap and Kind of make sense of things so that includes the nature of your problem um 
what it might be hurting, which is relevant sometimes, I think, um, but also why you might be hurting. Okay, so things that we can identify that are potentially making you hurt, adding to why, how sensitive your body is, physical, uh, lifestyle, movement related. Uh, I did a poster for the NHS. I can maybe share that, Rob. Um, yeah, and I use it in my clinic room and I use it to kind of have a conversation about all these various kind of factors, factors that relate to your back specifically, but factors that just relate to people. <laughs> And, and that'll be useful. Um, we might talk about key messaging. We might talk about pain signs. might talk about safety in your body. And we also might talk about this notion of biologizing many of the lifestyle and kind of what we might think of fringe aspects, our sleep, mental health, um, kind of social well-being. Because many of these things, as we now understand, uh, can potentially have a real biological effect. So I like that term, biologizing the sleep, the stress, the illness, uh, and all those things. And it might be useful a treatment yeah. as well. And things that people might not have not have considered. People don't often think about the fact that they've just moved house and they're quite stressed or they've had a new baby or they're going through a really stressful time. They might have had a, another impact. They're sleeping poorly and all these other factors that often until you've asked about them, people go, actually, I have had a really stressful week at work or have had a really, oh, maybe that's why they've had this flare up again, you know, and, and when you discuss yeah. it, it's often a, you know, a, a two, it's a two-way conversation. It's not us sat there lecturing you about what the problem is. It is, as you said, that kind of two-way conversation and you often get a few light bulb moments, don't you, really, where people yeah. go, actually, yeah, that has happened. And, and then when they, as a patient, if you understand that, it, it you know it's a massive help for us because you know then you adhere to more of more of our recommendations often. Yeah, the, I would say the mo the more successful collaborative discussions that I've had with patients is where we can kind of go well, there was maybe a trigger here initially, um, and then then there's been a period of other things going on in our life that we could maybe recognise uh, that may have contributed to to our health. Um, and then there's been uh, some kind of change in your activities and behavior that we can then recognize. And we can kind of walk through some of those things that might have cascaded uh, the problem um, kind of further downstream. And um, so so it doesn't always work like that, I have to say. And, and I do think that sometimes stress might not be relevant. Um, but, but we're just trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together uh, together. And um, but but kind of check understanding and if if you don't feel that something's relevant then we'll, we'll kind of put it to one side uh mm. and, and look at other things and i think are you familiar with the the cup analogy that i think greg lehman might have spoken yep. about yeah I am, I am yeah and and he talks about how lots of things contribute to filling up your cup when the cup overflows we have pain and so you know what one day you might be able to do a big gym workout and sleep well and you're fine the following day you might have a really really bad night's sleep and then you go to get out of the car or pick something up off the floor and then it you know is a trigger for your for your back pain and i use that a lot as an example for for patients who say well you know why has this happened you know i've gone out of the car a thousand times before and it's never hurt my back why is this triggered a really bad episode of pain and when you use that as an analogy and they kind of often think back and you know explain as i said before there are lots of other things that would have contributed to this it's very rarely due to one specific thing at one specific time often it can do but it, very rarely and we know from the literature about 
you know, the long-term, you know, element of back pain and non-specific back pain, how it is very rarely due to a singular cause. So you, we can't yeah. nail it down to one thing, you know, in the vast, vast majority of cases. So that cup analogy, and I think maybe we'll tag a link to, beneath it, but it's a, a good analogy that I find very helpful in explain, explaining why this pain has happened at this time. Yeah, brilliant. And an, another thing I think that is increasingly, is, it's useful to be aware of as a patient, is this notion of prognosis. So we, we talk about diagnosis and we talk about things that might be causing problems, but we very rarely talk about this notion of prognosis. That basically means the, the likely time contingent outcome. Okay. So what is the likely outcome for my time, my problem over time? Now, a persistent problem will have a very different, different prognosis to a new problem. Okay or an acute flare-up of, of, of a new problem. And it might be that the things that we're trying to do are simply facilitating that desired outcome. Okay, so um, if it's a new problem, you, you've you've pulled your back, lifting a fridge, that's my one example, Rob, that I use every single time. Lifted a fridge, hurt my back. Um, there's probably a very good prognosis there. Um, it might take six weeks, it might take 12 weeks. Adam Mickens on Twitter, talking about this recently and ultimately we can be a bit more certain that you'll have a good outcome if we if we cater certain things and that is a really fruitful conversation i feel to have in in my clinic with my patients that if we feel that this is a problem that we just need to kind of um we need to help along we need to be um we need to kind of allow for that time even though it doesn't feel comfortable to do that uh, and we're kind of wanting an immediate thing but but it just kind of demystifies things. Now, equally with a persistent problem, it you know, lifestyle factors and health factors, it might be that the prognosis is this is probably not a curable problem. But this might be something that but look at all of these things that have have, have been lost as a consequence. Um, your function, your health, um, you know, your your quality of life. And it might be that those things become more relevant in that conversation. So it's getting them to realize that this might not, they're not going to wake up tomorrow pain-free, but in a few weeks or months or maybe even years time, they might be able to complete 18 holes of golf, which yeah. is what at the moment they can't do. So they might have some pain or some stiffness, but it's manageable and they know what to do when it hurts. So we, they, you're giving them the tools that they can yeah. get around a round of golf. So they might on hole 10 have to stop and do a couple of different mobility exercises or stretch or whatever, whatever that is, some little habits that help just to get them through it. But they then have the tools to do that. So, and at the time that might be enough for them, you know, or hopefully it is enough for them in a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think that a lot of these questions um, that's where we can use our expertise, isn't it? It's like, you know, patients aren't going to necessarily have that information. We, they have all the information that we can make sense of together, but there might be some additional uh, yeah. information that we as experts are bringing to the table. And that's the collaboration. We've got some knowledge, you've got some knowledge, um, and let's collaborate. Uh, so it shouldn't be a transactional thing, should it? No, I, I totally agree. It is that two-way, two-way conversation, and and that goes back to their beliefs. You know, if they, if I use that golf example, if their belief, if their belief is that their back is crumbling and is and golf is going to be really damaging for their back because every time they're swinging, it's a twist, and a twist is really bad for the spine. If they have that belief, 
that's also then going to compound the fact that they don't want to play golf. So then they're not playing golf, so they're not moving as much. So then they might be one of the reasons why this pain is perpetuating. So if we can help understand that that's one of their core beliefs, and this is why that good history and that good understanding of pain is so important, we can then pick apart the actually the spine is meant to bend and lift and and, and twist and golf was actually a fantastic exercise to get some mobility back through the through the back and through the hips and through the neck and through the shoulders so getting some movement is really good and if you're going around and you're doing a hundred big shots you know i say a hundred if you're an average golfer a hundred shots kind of around a course three times a week that's quite that's quite a lot of movement you know which people might not be doing otherwise so immediately that's going to be 300 you know repetitions of something which people might not have been doing otherwise yeah and why would we not want to doing that of course um the last thing i would say on the on the recap is sometimes you may not be needing to see us okay it might be that we've assessed you uh we have an understanding of specific um disorders or we've got a suspicion or a concern and it might be that we need to refer you to a triage specialist um this is basically my day job it might be that we need to move you to a rheumatologist or an orthopedic specialist. It may be that we can't do those things directly, or um, it might be that we need to move, kind of move you to someone who can do that. Um, or indeed, it might be that there is a potential that someone needs to review you for further investigation. Okay, so a good physiotherapist, chiropractor, osteopath, um, massage therapist is being able to recognize when we're kind of doing a level of triage where we're kind of deciding that maybe we're not the right person for you right now. Um, and, uh, and so it's kind of knowing what is our responsibility and what's our scope. Yeah. And that, and that's a, that's a huge part of our training is, is being safe and ruling out. And we know, you know, knowing that this patient in front of you is, is safe. And as you said that, yeah. you know, they don't need to be shipped off somewhere else or referred us somewhere else, or, you know, been sent to A&E in some cases, you know, some very rare instances that can happen. You know that that is part of our job, and people think a lot of our job is skills that you know we've been taught with our hands. When actually, the skill in good clinicians is recognizing serious problems and knowing that we are the best person for you right now, not someone else. Yeah. So people often ask, why? How can you understand without a scan? We're going on a tangent, but how can you understand that I'm safe? How can you know that I'm not damaged? But but we you know we have what we call clinical reasoning abilities. We're, we're trained to understand the limitations or the abilities of and recognition of certain things. And, uh, and that, that's really where the, the, the benefit, I feel, of a good clinician lies. Communication, uh, clinical reasoning, and uh, kind of rehab planning. It's, it's not necessarily in the new fandangled manual therapy treatment that, that they've just learned over the weekend. It's, it's those fundamental skills that, that might not necessarily be apparent um, until you've kind of, you've delved into that. That's a great soundbite there. I'm going to try and cut that one out because that was, that's, that's a, a good aside. So that was a, exactly right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so the last yeah. one, should we move on to number f- number five? Number, f- number the five. The final point in your, in your is... top five reasons to expect or top five things to expect from a quality consultation. Good. Uh, is number five is treatment. So uh, the last point is on treatment or management or rehabilitation. All those terms are fine with me. 
um, and they encompass quite a lot of things, don't they? But uh, this mm. is the kind of doing stuff. But clearly, from what we've said, um, there might be an amalgamation of your, your the history. I mean, I certainly I'm examining someone as soon as they walk in the door, Rob. Um, I'm observing how they move and how they sit and and their facial expressions and and all these things. Um, so and and also the movement experiments, all those kind of things. They they're kind of they're being born out of the the observations and assessments, and and therefore then become treatments into themselves. If you if you're struggling to put your shoes on to 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 bend down, then it might be that exposure therapy with a different narrative is a part of the treatment and that is related to your goals that's related to your problems and it's also um you know then going to become your, your treatment okay it might also be progressive loading programs it might over a, an extended period of time it might also include some kind of manual therapies disclosure i'm not an advocate of those kind of things um i do believe we should be touching and palpating and assessing uh, our patients, but specific manual therapies and maybe adjacent to some more core things, I understand, I, I, I think. Um, and then we need to think about if this is something that we want to get on board with. At the end of the day, at the end of the consultation, you have a choice. Okay. Um, if this is something that you don't feel ultimately is helpful to you, you can walk away. Okay. Don't, you know, you might want to give things a chance. Of course, and you, it's okay to be skeptical, but ultimately it has to be something that we are collaboratively on the same page with over time. Okay. In, in my clinic, it might be that the level of support is very little. So it's kind of advice and education. It might be that we, we work for several weeks and months uh, with a rehabilitation program. And uh, so the, the the level of intensity might vary. The philosophy will remain the same. But if but if a person doesn't want to engage with something to such a high level, um, I think it can make it quite difficult to work collaboratively over a period of time if there is mm -hmm. this kind of something that's not being said uh, uh, about your intentions or their intentions. Does that make sense, Rob? Yeah, massively. I think that. That it goes back to we speak a lot about here about we've spoken a lot about here about those kind of cookie cutter approaches to to patients and everybody has whoever you, you know I'm sure everyone can think of particular clinics and things like that where you go and you get the same number of treatments recommended for every condition whatever the, whatever yeah. the problem is and you're getting this cookie cutter approach and what you've just described is is the opposite is that tailoring the approach to some people as you said for some people it's some advice some exercises and then they're happy to be sent on their way and and self-manage or with understanding that this is a self-limiting problem it's going to go away on its own eventually whereas other people need a bit more hand-holding and it's up to us to realize within that two-way conversation who those patients are. And some patients are going to need that. Actually, I'd much rather come back and see you once a week and go through those exercises with you to make sure I'm doing them right. And, you know, and that's fine too. And some people actually say, no, why don't I pop? Why don't I come back and see you in two months time, six weeks time, a month's time, and we can check everything over. I might have a phone call halfway through. I might drop you an email to make sure things are going along. And that's that very individualized approach. And that for me, is quality is quality management with a patient, and and it's not a everybody needs that you know thirty seven treatment thirty seven and a half treatments or whatever it is but you know all the way through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, last thing I'd want to say. Um, so that that's that's my five, Rob. 
I, I, I hope that I kind of waffled at the very beginning, but but I hope that they make some sense to patients. I hope that I kind of say this as it's it's good to know what I that the consensus is on good quality kind of rehabilitation physiotherapy encounters, but also some things that tips and tricks that you may take and think about when you go to see um, your clinician. You know, talking about, am I going to get better? What's the nature of my problem? Uh, mm. The types of treatments, you know, you can maybe become more empowered um, kind of entering into the conversation, even if we often say to patients, like if you just have a little bit of a list of some things that you want to ask to a patient. So you feel that that, that has been on some level meaningful to you. So you feel like you've had some questions answered um, it, and, and other things it might be that you're going to, further kind of delve into and resources that you can kind of look at from there the, yeah. this post rob was um it was inspired there's a chap on twitter called patrick carroll he's a, an irish physiotherapist and he did a blog similar blog to this um on what good physiotherapy is and i can maybe share that with you um mm. it's just a good blog for patients to go to and read beyond th this chat today yeah, I think, as you said, that empowering of patients, you know, is so important. And if we, the whole benefit of this podcast, the whole aim of this podcast was to give patients an understanding for themselves. You know, long gone are the days when we used to sit there and you get told X, Y, and Z from someone in a white coat and be on your way. You know, now it's a much more two-way conversation. It's a much more joint consultation. And this is what it's about. And the better you go into that armed with you know, the knowledge and the understanding of what you want to achieve and a few questions which you can help to ask to help garner your understanding about back pain or elbow, hip, knee, shoulder, whatever the problem is. And because yeah. all of these things are relevant for all those body parts, then, you know, the better outcomes you potentially can have as a consequence for that. And I love people who come to ask questions. I love patients who yeah. come and ask questions and, yeah, I do. you know, and yeah. patients who want to want to understand and they want to understand the nature of their problem. And they want to know what they can do to help is a big part of it. Yeah. Shared decision making is the term that's that used, isn't it, in the literature, Rob? Um, having said that, um, slight tangent, but the, you know, shared decision, we want to know what your preference is. We want to know what your understanding is, what your problems are. Now, shared decision making doesn't necessarily mean that we, that we should be doing anything. OK. And anything and everything, you know, we're, we're bringing to the table a set of skills and knowledge and we're we're taking and, and kind of dilating and, and diluting the, the evidence base, uh, the research from the evidence base, the science to, um, to then bring to our patient. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the, the, you know, there is a contribution from the clinician, which I think sometimes can kind of say it's, it's kind of all just one sided. It's just completely from the patient, but we have a set of skills and knowledge and we want to collaborate and use both of those sides of things. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really good um, note to kind of finish up on. Anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you think I forgot to ask you about? Or no, no, I, at the end? I just hope that was helpful. Thank you for having me on, Rob. No worries. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy bank holiday weekend. I know it's bank holiday at the moment. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And thank that's you, right. everyone, for listening. Where can people go to find out more about you? Any other signposts you'd like to point people towards? Uh, Twitter, Adam Dobson123. Um, uh, we have a, a website, Self Tease Back Pain, if you put that into Google. And uh, and I'll maybe add that, that chat, Patrick Carroll's uh, Twitter um, in the show notes. 
Brilliant. Fantastic. As always, we've been the Back Pain Podcast. Thank you ever so much for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.